0: Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched No Paleta for my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. What do you do when you decide to finally go freelance after a career in marketing only to have the world shut down due to a pandemic? Well, if you're Andrea Campos, you commit to your craft, you draw and you post every day for 100 days. The result of this dedication landed Andrea an illustration opportunity for a new children's book co-authored by none other than Jimmy Fallon and Jennifer Lopez. Andrea is a Mexican-American New York Times bestselling illustrator and creative storyteller with a passion for bringing stories to life through vibrant and playful artwork. This was such a fun conversation with Andrea as we discovered we had many parallels in our journeys of starting over and being the children of immigrants and that pressure to succeed not only because we have the opportunity but for our ancestors can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Hi, Andrea. Great to see you. Welcome to the Nopalera podcast.
1: Hola, Sandra. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you today.
0: We were just chatting before we started recording about how parallel our career paths have been since COVID. Neither one of us had our businesses you know, that people now know us for pre-2019. So I'd love to start there. I've listened to your other interviews and and read other things, you know, about your story and that moment where you decided you're going to become a freelancer Mm -hmm. and you're going to go out on your own. And then the world shuts down. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That fateful moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so I mean, I know that you've told the story many times, but if you remember what you were thinking in that moment, obviously you started to draw and you started to share your drawings. Yeah. But What was your thought process? Were you freaking out? Were you like calm? Like, what was going
1: on in your head? Yeah. So, March 2020, because of the pandemic and the work that I was doing before, I like effectively became unemployed overnight in a way that I wasn't planning on being unemployed. And I remember just thinking, what now? Because I had finally mustered up the courage to go on my own after years and years of kind of like struggling with that decision. And I just felt like, wow, this is a huge sign from the universe that like, you know, this wasn't meant to be. And at that time, I felt really lost. I felt really overwhelmed. I felt really stressed because while I could, you know, apply for other jobs, it was very obvious that the world around me, especially in the space that I was occupying before in the marketing space, people were losing their jobs. People were getting pay cuts. That also didn't really seem like a viable option. Um, So at the time, I kind of decided like, you know what, I didn't love my previous work experience. It was really kind of traumatic. So I'm going to take a month or two to really just kind of rebuild my confidence, rebuild my like sense of self, try to figure out what I actually want to do next in this like creative space. And I had the privilege and luxury to do that because I had saved up a ton of money before knowing that the freelance career life would be bumpy, that there would be gaps in income. And naively, I thought that the pandemic would last, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve, two months max. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, Yeah. So I didn't see the harm in just taking, you know, two months to reset. I was like, you know what? There's probably nothing I can do outside of that to really help myself out at this point because marketing jobs are being cut left and right. I can't do freelance photography work because in California that's been banned for the foreseeable future. So let me control what I can control. And that's really just how I was feeling at the time. And so you started to draw and
0: had you always been drawing even back when you were, you know, working your day job, was that something that you did on the side or was this like something that emerged now that you had free time? Yeah. So drawing was
1: a really big part of my life when I was little, when I was like in middle school and grade school and even through high school too. I remember I I never enjoyed physics. That was a subject that I couldn't fully grasp. And instead of taking notes in class. I would just like draw all around the borders of my notebooks. I would make comics of my day and give them to my friends. But I think as I got older, the time that I used to dedicate to drawing went towards hanging out with friends or going to the work happy hour or going on this trip. And I just kind of put it on the back burner as like, yeah, it's something I can do. And it's something I like doing, but it's just for fun. And I do it when I can. So the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders were really the first time in my adult life where I had the time and the space to explore that again.
0: Talk to me about, and I've heard this from other interviews that you've done, another one of the parallels that you and I share is that it sounds like we both have artists in our family. Mm -hmm. So my father is an artist. Mm -hmm. He never had the luxury of doing that as a career because that was just not an option, you know, back then. And so, you know, his job, he was a homicide detective. It couldn't have been further from being artistic, but he was able to apply his skills to drawing suspects. Right. So when you describe when you're like at the murder scene, you're like, what did they look like? So he was a person that put his skills to use. So talk to me about how the artists in your family influenced
1: you. To this day. Yeah. I mean, I feel really lucky that I come from on both sides, on my mom's side and a dad's side, families that are full of very just like creative, artistic people. My grandfather on my dad's side, I think, has a very similar story to your father, where he moved his family to the US in the early 60s. Obviously, as an immigrant, a Mexican immigrant, being an artist was not a viable work option. So he worked two jobs. One, as a restaurant server, and two, as like a, a railway mechanic. So really just working with big machinery. Neither of those jobs are incredibly creative, but being the outgoing, very kind of bubbly person that he was, he was able to, in that railway job, convince his, his bosses to let him like paint murals on people's machines. So that was the way he was able to express himself. And as my dad likes to tell the story because my grandfather has, has now passed, he kind of made that into his little side hustle where other people would pay him a little bit of money here and there to paint their machines and write their names on their machines because it was obviously a sense of pride for him and a sense of pride for them. And he is someone in our family where I just think if he would have been born in a different time, he could have really done so much with his artwork because he was a phenomenal painter. He could do incredible things with Blick pens, with pencils, with sculpting. He just, he had it all. And I really Mm -hmm. uh, attribute a lot of my artistic talents and success to the gifts that, you know, he passed down to me. Similarly, my mom is someone who's incredibly creative, incredibly talented. She was born and raised in Mexico. She studied her entire life to be an architect. But unfortunately, when she moved to the U.S. with my dad, none of those degrees transferred so the work that she had done to like build this creative career for herself disappeared and again was kind of forced to go into work that didn't give her the opportunity to express herself freely so the way that she would bring that creative spirit to life was through the decoration she would make for my birthday and my brother's birthday she would hand make all of our halloween costumes Little Mermaid, Jasmine, Casper the Ghost. Like I have such beautiful memories of seeing these and they're incredible. I'm like, wow, you really taught yourself how to do all of that. And ultimately she ended up with our neighbor at the time starting a business, teaching women how to make porcelain dolls and all of the fine details that go into that. And it's a very kind of delicate craft, but that's how she was able to keep that spirit alive. But even today, my mother's always making interesting little things. So Again, I attribute the success I've had to the talents and the gifts that she has given me. I think both of them and so many others in my family, although they weren't able to do it professionally, showed me that like art is just part of your life. It's something you do. It's something you do to like make your house a home. It's something you do to share love with someone in the sense of handmaking, wrapping paper or birthday cards or gifts it's just always been around me yeah art is a lifestyle mm-hmm. right it's the way that you see
0: the world and the way you interact with it do you feel I guess for lack of a better word a pressure to really build your art career because your parents could not and you have the opportunity to yeah. do so obviously you do it because you love it yeah. right but do you feel this kind of added it's on you now
1: Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword sometimes. Like on one hand, it's really beautiful. It's like, wow, I have the support of my mother, my grandfather. And I know like all these ancestors that have come before me that are kind of just like pushing me forward, being like, finally, someone can do this. We're so proud of you. And I think the pressure that I give myself is just that. It's like, oh, finally, it's me. I don't want to mess this up. I know that not everyone gets an opportunity like this. And I need to do my best. To keep that door open or push it open a little bit further so that other children of immigrants, other Latinas, other Latinos can kind of create that space for themselves. And that can be hard sometimes, too, because I think as artists, you're supposed to give yourself the space to fail and to make mistakes. But it feels like you can't when you have so many other people counting on you, cheering your aunt and being like, yay, you finally did it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I feel the same way. Yeah, I I was about to say
0: I feel the same way. I'm sure you can relate to that. Because when you win, you're not just winning for yourself, you're winning for the community. Mm -hmm. And so everyone is counting on you to succeed. You need to be the proof that it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I carry that pressure too. like No Paleta Succeeding is not just about me, you know, or it's not just about the revenue. It's like we need to show that this is possible, that you can be a Latino illustrator writing bilingual children's books and be successful. And that is a career path that other people can also aspire to. Right. Yeah. All right. So I want to rewind back to so it's the pandemic. You're starting to draw amazing that you had built this savings like in preparation for your new freelance life but obviously this did not go how you initially planned you weren't planning on the world shutting down so you're starting to draw in your house and you decide to start sharing online right to share your Mm -hmm. drawings what was going through your mind at that time was it just purely therapeutic like i'm just gonna draw and share or were you like i'm gonna draw and like hope that someone sees these maybe this will lead to something did you have any expectation at that
1: point yeah when i started my account, Drea's Doodles on Instagram, my goal really was just like, oh, I want to feel connected with the world again. We're all isolated. I feel so alone. These are funny. These are silly. I hope that they bring levity to whoever is experiencing them on the other side. And at first I think it really was just art therapy. I just didn't realize it Mm -hmm. where I'm like, oh my God, I've been stuck inside this home for days now. I've already watched all of Tiger King. I've already watched all of like Love is Blind. Oh my God, that was totally me. Yeah, I'm like, I need something else. Like, I can't just be sitting at home doing nothing because I think the thing that I didn't realize at the time was like, wow, having like no job sounds exciting for a few days, but when you have to fill eight hours of a normal work day, but you can't leave your home. Well, what do you do? Right? So I think Drea's Judo started, at least for me, from a place of wanting to build community and also give myself something to do that, that add a little bit of structure in my life where it's like, all right, for the next 100 days, I'm going to draw every day and I'm going to post it online. I'm not going to be precious about it. It's just for fun. It's just to show the world that I'm okay. Wink, wink. but Like, am I? I don't know.
0: <laughs> or any of us. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's the thing. I, because I had no expectations, a lot of my early illustrations were just like black and white, one color, really kind of meant to be more pulse checks being like, Ha-ha, laugh, cry, laugh, cry. Like we're all going through this. <laughs> and people connected yeah. with that because we all felt that.
0: Yeah. And so you're posting, did the momentum happen right away? You know what I mean? At what point did you realize like, oh my God, people are paying attention to this. Yeah. Wow. Maybe there's something here.
1: So I started the page in March and I was very like diligent. like, all right, I'm going to do this for a hundred days. I I built like a good community from that. Actually at first it was like friends, then friends of friends some family. I was like, oh, okay. And I think by the summer I had like 2000 followers. I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And I took like a little break from it because I'm like, oh, I want to just like reassess my feelings with this because I didn't want to be spending that much time on social media either. But then when I picked it back up again in the fall, that's when a few of my things really started to go viral. And I started to see those numbers kind of just like keep jumping and jumping and jumping. So it was all very organic. But by the end of 2020, I definitely started to notice that, oh, okay, it's not just friends and family following me now. It's publications, it's editors, it's art directors, agents. Okay, wow, well, maybe, maybe there's something here. That was kind of the first little breadcrumb for me as it pertains to this larger illustration career path. And so
0: then you get an email or was it, I guess it was an email or was it a phone call from a publisher asking? Email. And you probably thought it was spam. I get these emails too. <laughs> so I'm familiar as well with it, where you're like, is this real? Are yeah. you really, is, is this offer? I can't tell.
1: Let me go to LinkedIn and see if the person is real. That is verbatim you know? what I had to do. I got an, I got an email <laughs> March, 2021. So almost almost to the exact date, like a year to the exact date of wow. like starting my page. And it was from a publisher saying like, hey, I've seen your work online. I've been following you for a while. Um, we think you'd be a good fit for a picture book Project we have, are you interested? And Sandra, all those thoughts went through my head, being like, this must be a scam. I don't know who this person is. Yeah, never heard yeah. of Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> looked him up on LinkedIn, looked him up on Google, I'm like, okay, real person, real company, let me respond and kind of see what they say. And then I think we all know what happened next, but just tell us anyway. So,
0: how long was that process from when you got that email to when you were informed, like, oh, and just by the way, this book is going to be written by yeah. these two? Celebrities. <laughs> so I got
1: that email at the end of March 2021. And it was within a matter of days where the person who emailed me was just like, hey, we have the celebrity picture book project. Are you interested? I was like, of course, yes. Tell me more. And then the next email was very casually, great. The picture book was written by Jennifer Lopez and Jimmy Fallon. I was just in shock. You're like, wait, never heard of them. Let me look them up on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm like, <laughs> who? No, I was I was genuinely caught so off guard because even when she said celebrity picture book project at first I was like okay like I'm wondering who it is like never never in my mind of who I thought it was going to be was it the two of them yeah because they are both just like all stars and what they do at the top of their games and then collaborating together it was just like what kind of lottery did I just win I'm truly in shock. Yeah. yeah. So the process kicked off March 2021. I didn't get the project immediately. They were like, Hey, in full transparency, we're talking to you and a few other artists. Um, the way this works is that we're going to have you do some character development for us to figure out like who does the best job of really bringing our main character Boyle to life. And then we'll go from there. So at this point I'm just mm-hmm. like sweating where I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> I have now I'm, uh, now I'm auditioning <laughs> now I'm auditioning and I don't want to mess this up like I know this is gonna be like a wonderful opportunity I don't exactly know what I'm doing but I'm gonna figure it out like I'm willing to take the time to, to learn how to do this and this is the part of the process that took a little bit longer and just had me sweating bullets because they asked me to submit artwork in April and I didn't find out I got the job till June. So for months, I was just parading. Biting your nails. Yeah. <laughs> Biting my nails, writing my like. Lighting all the candles. Yes, all <laughs> the, my, my mom had all the berenzita candles on. I was doing <laughs> daily affirmations where it's like, I am yes. illustrating a book with Jim. Yes, like, exactly. Just like over and over again. I'm like, I have to believe it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's already happened. Exactly. It's already happened. Literally. Yeah. Like that's all I can control, right? Is, is my emotions and mindset during this. And thankfully they liked one of the, the little chubby chickens I drew and yeah, the rest is history. And so, I mean, do you feel like now looking back,
0: because when I look back at just COVID, if you know, it wasn't that long ago, right? Like so much has changed. We've all been through so much collectively. It's pretty wild, right? But now do you look back and are you like, wow, I'm living my dream life? Like, is there anything you would rather be doing?
1: No. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I definitely, I've I've had that thought over and over again. And I think last year in particular, when Buonfoyo came out and I was able to go on tour for the book, Jimmy Fallon invited me to go on The Tonight Show. It was definitely one of those pinch me moments where truly never in my wildest dreams did I imagine any of that happening. And just to know that a few years before, I was feeling incredibly lost. And unsure of myself and my abilities in March 2020, and to see that by 2022 I was in this brand new world, right, being fully embraced by the publishing space. *Con Pollo ending up on the New York Times bestseller list. Me being able to like just go on tour and on television and share my story. I was like, wow! I, I truly never imagined any of this happening, but I feel so excited and so grateful that I'm now being given the opportunity to live out my dreams, my creative dreams. And I can't wait to see like what else this road has in store for me.
0: And what do you think the lesson is for people who they feel like they're stuck and they want to make a change and they also have a creative fire inside of them, but they're scared to take the leap what is the advice that you would give to them, right? Because to me, I'm like, okay, number one, save your money. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, get to it, like start creating. And number three, put yourself out there. Like to me, those are like the big takeaways that I hear from your story. But like, is there something else that there's a lesson to share with other
1: people? I think all of those are very true. The two or three things I would add is that persistence is key. Like I think those first 100 days of me just posting and drawing and posting and drawing, inadvertently resulted in me creating a habit, where now it is very rare that like, I'll have more than like two days go by without me drawing something new. And I think, especially for folks in the creative space, you just have to literally keep making it until you make it. And yeah, you may feel like no one's listening or no one's watching, but you never know who's on the other side. For me and just how I was discovered throughout this whole journey, I asked the art director who originally reached out to me being like, "Hey." what did you see of mine that like led to this? And it wasn't any of my posts that went viral. It was like a post of a duck that I drew that had less than 200 likes. So that was just like, okay, wow. I would have never expected that that was the thing that led you to me, but the style in which I drew this duck was spot on with what they wanted. Obviously a duck and a pollo are very similar. So I think that just goes to show that You just have to keep doing it and keep doing it and just putting it out there because you never know what's going to happen. The second thing that I will say is like, put it out there before you think you're ready. One of the things that I think has been instrumental in just me being able to make this career change is that I started Drea's Doodles with zero expectations. And as a result of that, I wasn't able to be a perfectionist about it. I wasn't able to get into my head about being like, oh, people aren't going to like this or no, this isn't good enough. It was like, no, no, no. This makes me feel good. I'm going to share it. And I think now I struggle with that where it's like, oh, I have like thousands of people. Now I'm kind of a brand. People are expecting this from me. I can't just like throw a quick sketch online. And I have to remind myself that yes, you can. This is your page. You can make it whatever you want. Show people works in progress. Show people like how you think. And like that might actually be enough. So those are two things I think for artists and entrepreneurs, like start before you think you're ready, you're going to learn so much along the way and build a habit a routine or something that allows you to be consistent with the work that you're doing.
0: I love that. It's so true. Everything we do is just a series of habits. Yes. And it's about cultivating the habits, right? And as we get older, people get really stuck in their habits. And I feel like it becomes a little more challenging for people to change Mm -hmm. their habits, because they just think that this is how it is. They've just conflated their habits with just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> like this is it. This is all there is. There's nothing beyond this. So thank you for all of those lessons. I want to just ask you some rapid fire questions here okay. as we close out. So separate from what you just shared in terms of like the lessons that you've learned, you know, in retrospect from your story,
1: what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I think the best piece of advice has just been honestly to dream bigger. There's someone that I've kind of been talking to that's a little bit more advanced in their career and her things to me have always just been like, you're thinking small still. Think bigger, like dream bigger because truly like anything is possible. And if this experience has taught me anything, it's, it's just, yeah. I had always wanted to do a children's book, but I thought it'd be for myself. Like I had the story in my head already and I'm like, oh, if I have kids one day, I'll make it for them. And no, I needed to dream bigger and see the possibilities that existed beyond what was right in front of me.
0: I love that. And I just have to interject before I ask you the next rapid fire question that what you just said to me is so important. It's so important for people just to hear and to be reminded of, Mm -hmm. because I 100% agree. I had the opportunity to see Obama speak uh, last year. And it was like a fireside chat. And they asked him, how can we help close like the wealth gap within the Latino community? Because, you know, the Latinos are the fastest growing. They're creating more businesses than anyone. And the rule of capitalism is that money should go to where the growth is. But somehow the money is not going there. So where's the disconnect? What's the problem? And his answer was, y'all need to dream bigger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, that was the answer is he actually said the Latino community the entrepreneurs, they need to set their sights higher Yeah, because so many Latino businesses don't get past like six figures because we are so stuck in survival mode that we're like, okay, good. Everyone's eating. The rent is paid. We're good. We don't need to dream bigger. We're so used to just surviving. And what you just said, it's just, thank you for saying that. I mean, we couldn't have planned this, (laughs) that you said that, but it's just so important for people in our community to just dream bigger. And like the fact that you did and it has become this new life of yours is just the proof that this is what happens when you do
1: that yeah absolutely right i've thought about that a lot where i think almost like a little bit of unlearning has to happen within our community because we're taught to be like agradecidos to to have like enough right and then like thank you so much Yeah, we shouldn't want more. more and i think it's beautiful to be grateful and obviously be content with just having enough but if we want others to advance you're right we have to kind of break that ceiling that exists for us culturally Yeah, we can all do better. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention, like, you know, you illustrated this book
0: and the writer is J-Lo, a Latina who has broken many barriers. I do also think that there is this point to be made that more of us need to succeed in different areas so that we see ourselves and we help others like us. Oh, absolutely. And that's ultimately how it happens, right? So
1: it's also that part of it. It's not lost on me that one of the reasons that I was able to get this project is because the art director at the publishing house was a Latina. Right, she understood that she's like I want to make this project come to life in the right way, and there's not a lot of us in publishing, in kids lit, and in entertainment in general. So we need to be the ones that kind of like break those barriers, open that door a little bit wider, so that more of us can exist in the beauty space in whatever it is, because I think that makes all the difference.
0: Exactly, 100%. Okay, next question. Changing gears for a little bit. Can you
1: describe your perfect day? My perfect day. Well, I live in SoCal. So my perfect day must require sunshine. (laughs) I'm the type of person who is very (laughs) energized by good weather. But ideally, I would wake up, I would walk and go to like a workout class or on a run or something. I would come back home, have a good breakfast or maybe even go out and have breakfast. I feel like that's like a rare treat, especially if I do that on the week. And then as long as I have a day where I feel that I was fulfilled, whether that was creatively or productive wise, I think that's a win for me. And ideally, I would spend my evenings or afternoons with friends, loved ones, family. I think that's really important to me is just being in community.
0: I love that. And I'm from Southern California myself, and I've been in New York for 24 years, and I miss sunshine. Uh, (laughs) I also need sunshine. (laughs) It's nice right now, but it's not always. And so I feel that because I'm very much affected by the weather. Okay, last question here. What do you want to be remembered for?
1: You know what? I want to be remembered for more than just drawing con pollo, And that is what I'm actively working on now. I want my legacy to be one of like, wow, she was a self-taught illustrator, self-taught artist, but she was able to carve a path for herself that allowed her to write more children's books, illustrate more children's works, work on kids programming, develop a kid's line. Like I want to do so much that's in the kids space or kids adjacent that I'm not exactly sure where I'm gonna land because it's still kind of a work in progress. But I know that everything that's happened over the last year in particular is not my whole story. It is just the beginning. And like, what a beautiful chapter one, but I can't wait to see how the story continues to unfold.
0: Yes. And I so agree to me. I'm like, this is a stepping stone in your path, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's going to be like, yes, it all started when I got the email. And that was, you know, like you said, chapter one of many chapters, many volumes. So thank you so much, Andrea, for sharing your story. So inspiring. And I can't wait to
1: see what you do next. Thank you, Sandra. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I can't wait to see that either.
0: Thank you for being here with us. Remember to leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening from. Spread the word so we can impact and grow the community. If you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandralilavelasquez.com. but also visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your loved ones. Join the Nopalera mailing list to be the first to hear about new products, exclusive promos, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at nopaleta.co stay resilient